plenty of toilet paper here, though, so if I run out of home, <laughs> I might have to come into the station to grab some toilet paper. I went to the store the other day, and not for toilet paper, but I walked back there, and the shelves were empty. But as I'm turning around, the dude's bringing a pallet to refill, so I'm like, what? might as well grab one. Welcome to the inaugural WCIA 3 3 and 1 podcast. Brett Barron's alongside Craig Schote. Say hi, Marley. Hey. <laughs> We're practicing our best social distancing, and this is our first true podcast. I'm excited to see where this might go. Craig, uh, are, are you feeling okay? You, you're doing all right? I don't know what to do with my life outside of work. Even in work, there's nothing going on that I normally my life revolves around so it's an interesting time unprecedented never seen anything like this but um, we're gonna do our best craig and i are maybe three feet <laughs> not respecting the six foot distance marley is in champagne at her apartment actually i don't know if she lives in champagne marley you're at your apartment how has the work from home vibe gone the last couple of days um not gonna lie it's really hard i'm driving myself up a wall with no real like human contact in person but it's so hard to find a balance between being at home and doing work stuff but then being able to turn off the work stuff and then do home stuff not that there's a whole lot to do now that you know everything is closed but it's just hard because then I'll, I'll get distracted I'm like okay let me go eat a snack or okay let me let me fill up my water bottle let me do and I'm just like running from point A to point B a thousand times a day and it's it's hard. It's difficult. It's just different, right? And that's the biggest thing is everyone's trying to find a new normal for what this is going to be. And my biggest takeaway out of it all is this is not going away anytime soon. This is not going to be next week and it's good. The governor today issues a stay-at-home decree essentially saying that all non-essential jobs and workplaces are going to stop. They're going to cease until April 7th. This is going to be a while, and sports I don't see coming back for a while either. Yeah, I saw, I think it was Jeff Passant on ESPN said if he, he thinks that if we see Major League Baseball before what would have been the All-Star break, he would be surprised. And that All-Star break is normally the second week of July. So baseball might not be back until the end of July. Uh, NBA, I don't know what they're going to do. They might jump right back into the playoffs at this point. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a long time. I agree that before we see any kind of sports activities, and that just makes us so sad that there's <laughs> not sports today. I mean, we should be covering Illinois basketball in the NCAA tournament. They could have played yesterday Potentially on a Thursday. A, a second round game gearing up for. We could be getting ready for a Saturday second round game, and I think they would have won that first first round yeah. matchup. I mean, there's just a lot. Have you that... seen those projections that are still doing it? That I think one had them in the Elite Eight. <sighs> Think what could have been a lot of fans. For us in the media, we just want to cover an NCAA tournament. Marley's played in an NCAA tournament in the fight. You made the final four, is that right, Marley? For volleyball? Final four. You're the but only it, one it, in the apartment. This whole situation puts it into perspective. Like, I, I'm so lucky that I was able to do that and I was able to go to the NCAA tournament because this just goes to show that it can be taken away from you in a matter, you know, of seconds or days or whatever it may be. You know, some cases for athletes it's an injury, and in this case it's the coronavirus um, canceling everything. So With an injury, though, it's like it's not technically your fault, but this is like completely out of your hands, the corona yeah. thing, which makes it even worse, especially for those spring sports that don't even get their season. 
And I think that's what's tougher is it's not owning it in your own hands. Yeah. You're not getting to go out on your own terms. And if you lose a game, that's fine. You lost the game and you didn't perform as well. Certainly refs can have an impact on that and a part of it. And you can blame whoever you want to blame and however you want to blame it in this society today where it's never our own fault, right? But the fact that this is completely out of all of these athletes' hands, I think just makes it tougher in one sense. I think it also makes it a little easier because everyone's on the same playing field. Nobody's getting their seasons back. I don't think the high schools are going to be playing this year. It's just becoming more and more evident to me as the days go by that there's not going to be any high school season, even if they extended it into the summer somehow. And for those high school kids, maybe those are the ones I feel the worst about because there's no redshirt opportunity for them. I mean, the track athletes that have a chance to go out and win more state titles, I think at Kinley Nettles from ALAH. You know, she's going to go to Iowa, and that's fine, and she's going to have a great career in college, but there's nothing like that last time on the track or that last time on the diamond or whatever else it may be, and that's just going to be gone. And for some of the high schoolers, they're not getting the opportunity to play at the next level. So for the spring sports, this was their last chance to really compete in in sports i mean obviously you know they go on to adulthood or maybe they play you know club sports in college but this may have been their last season that they're ever going to play competitive sports and that is just so devastating and for those that played a winter sport maybe um for example a school that got that lost a basketball game in a regional thinking all right well at least i have my baseball season that my high school career is not over so when they lose in their winter sport thinking, all right, I have a spring sport, now they don't. They're like, oh, crap, when I lost my basketball, that last basketball game, that was it. I didn't have a time to really soak it in. It's crazy times, unprecedented stuff, something I hope we never see again. And, you know, I mean, you never know what the future may hold. And, and past, certainly there's been epidemics in the past. There's been pandemics in the past. There's been all these things that have happened before, but... I think in just the society and day we live today where everything's instant with Twitter, with social media, with everything else, and as big and as much money as as at stake for all these things, that's what makes this so unique, and that's why this has truly never happened before in history because of everything that is on the line. All right, so Marley, you're, you're doing all right. You're still hanging with us here at home. This is not going to be the norm. Normally, Marley's going to be with us on the podcast. Uh, if, if you're watching, she's on the computer. If you're just listening on the podcast, we've got her tuned in here on the computer, on a FaceTime. Uh, how have those FaceTimes been going with the Illini coaches? I know you've done quite a few of those the last week. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of the same thing across the board. You know, I've asked them, what are you doing now? Like, what's next on your, your agenda? And they all say, you know, we kind of, we don't know because that's, that's the truth is that nobody, not even us or whoever it may be, we don't know where the situation is going to go. So in that sense, it's just really difficult to to plan as far as recruiting and and for next year's program and and what to do in in a couple months maybe if you know organized team activities are allowed so they're just kind of waiting on the guidance of of the administration and and the government essentially on on what to do to handle this situation um, and i know a lot of them when they first heard the news the main priority was just getting all of the the athletes home and safe um, for those international athletes that maybe it's more you know dangerous for them to to fly home they've gone home with teammates and things like that so 
right now I think just the main priority for, for coaches and athletes is just getting safe and then taking this time to, to reflect and, and figure out what maybe the next move might be. And obviously some of the seniors have some difficult decisions to make if they want to return uh, for you know, uh, another season, if that is available to them, or uh, do they want to, to move on or for those who have the chance, maybe go pro. I thought the biggest priority was to buy as much toilet paper and paper towels as possible. Is that, <laughs> is that not what we're supposed to be doing here? I, I guess. Is that what you did? I mean, I just want to make sure you're taken care of here because we're, we have a you know global pandemic that has nothing to do with toilet paper, yet everyone has to go out and get their toilet paper. I don't know. I mean, I maybe went overboard with, with the snacks that I've well, already... There's nothing wrong with that. It's snacks. you got to have snacks. <laughs> All right, well, we're glad that you're surviving at home. We pretty much just quarantined Marley, so that way, I mean, Craig and I both anchored, you know, Craig on the weekends, I'm during the week, so we thought if one of us gets sick, if Marley's not here, then she'll be ready to go if, if we go down or, you know, how that works. So, I don't know, we're trying to take all kinds of precautionary measures. The news must go on, right? Even it must if, go on. Yeah, you know, no, no matter what happens. If, if and when, maybe it's just a win, somebody from Channel 3 gets coronavirus. I honestly don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. I mean, walking through the building today, there is a, a shell of the staff here. There are only a handful of people walking around the building. We're trying to keep everyone away from each other as much as possible. Kind of like the essential jobs that Pritzker was talking about today. Yeah. Only the essential people are in the building, like the anchors and the producers that have to put the, the stuff together. So it, it's a weird feeling in the building today. There's plenty of toilet paper here, though, so if I run out at home, <laughs> I might have to come into the station to grab some toilet paper. I went to the store the other day, and not for toilet paper, but I walked back there, and the shelves were empty. But as I'm turning around, the dude's bringing a pallet to refill. So I'm like, what? might as well grab one. Yeah. So I grab, how many did you grab? Just one. I'm not a hoarder. Oh, come just on. One. you got to grab like, like, like eight or nine of them. No, just one. It's a 24-pack, so there's 24 rolls in the pack. But <laughs> I'm coming to uh, Craig's house, though. <laughs> Molly, how are you doing on toilet paper? You got enough? Because this is the essential information that the uh, 3-in-1 podcast needs to, needs to know. Yeah, I mean, I have enough, but I think I'm becoming a little bit more aware of how <laughs> toilet paper I actually use I'm like oh wow like this roll is like going quickly I don't know like I gotta <laughs> dire times we <laughs> like <laughs> ration a little bit better but I, I was talking to my dad and he's working from home now but when he was at the office they told him they had to bring their own toilet paper because there was a... <laughs> wow that's harsh wow you know like having to bring your own roll to work like come on Okay. As sign of the times, I guess it's March of 2020, and, and here we are talking about toilet paper on the first three one podcast. But you know, it is what it is. All right, let's talk about our top ten Illinois moments from 2019 2020. There are some differences here that I didn't expect. There are. I, we both have. Well, all three of us have the same number one, which I, I think, think is pretty obvious. You, you can probably guess that. Although some people on social had said that you know they they disagreed with us in that sense. Uh, the all three people that uh, chimed in, so thanks three people. Uh, no, no names here, but let's let's start here and just kind of go through a couple of these because I'm curious. Uh, we did have some differences, uh, and that's okay. I love that. I think everyone views it differently. We all cover different games, and so mm -hmm. just to give you a little bit of an insight here to our department, 
I just don't go to all the games. I get asked that a lot. Oh, you get to go to all the games. I, no, 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 no. I want to mix this up. And Marley goes to a lot of games. And I go to more football games probably. But for basketball, I like to really even it up. And we all travel a little bit differently. And we all cover different games. Craig traditionally covers more home games because, uh, you know, they're during the week. He's off Wednesday, Thursday. Marley's off Sunday, Monday. But our schedule's all kind of adjusted. So we all got to cover different games this year. And I think that frames a little bit of what went into our favorite moments, yeah. or at least that does for me. It's a different feel when you're there. Yeah. So those road games, it's it's a different, like for me, I was at the Penn State game, so I, I felt that Penn State crowd, kind of the air being let out of the whole 5,000 people and blacked out curtains <laughs> up a day. Me and Derek Piper were really upset with Penn State uh, from that trip. But it, it's a different Football's feel cool. when you're um, on the court seeing things than when you're at the desk or um, you're watching it from TV at the, at the station. So, And I think that gives it the fan sense too, right, Marley? Because... You know, on, on the road, not so much. But at home, those home fans, those are the games that they remember more. You're not going to remember something as much if, if you're not invested in it, number one. And then number two, if you're there, I think that completely changes how much you feel and remember about things. Yeah. And I think for me, too, like just putting my list together, I was in such a toss up because I felt like I'm like, OK, this was a really big win for them. But to me, it didn't feel the same watching it on TV as I did, you know, when I was uh, like at the Wisconsin game, at the game at Northwestern where there were a ton of Illinois fans. So, and I almost wanted to, to maybe pick some games that were, were home games, but just because this team was so good on the road this year, I think that's the reason why they kind of made a lot of those top 10 moments you know all there's always going to be great moments that happen at home but I think it's so significant that we were able to put so many road wins in the top 10 and my top three moments are all on the road I just realized that now that you say that Marley yep. but you know yeah. my, my top three are all on the road so uh I don't know if we need to go all top 10 what do you think here list them off how do you want to do this I don't know it's a good question all right, I'll start I think, let's here. Split, we can split them up. I don't want yeah. one person to go 10 through 1, you know? Yeah, I think let's split it up here. I'll start. Like bottom six. Say that again, Marley. We'll do our, our bottom six, like 10 through ten through 6. Okay, yeah, let's do 10 through 6 there. We'll social distance ourselves and have a little delay here with Marley on the uh, FaceTime. <laughs> All right, number 10 for me was Alan Griffin's breakout game at Northwestern. He scored career-high 24 points, six three-pointers just at Northwestern. That place, Marley, you were there tons of orange in the crowd looked like uh you know i think for him that really breakout moment for me was was something i'll remember this year craig what do you got for number 10 10 i got illinois beating indiana at home uh that was their fourth win in a row i hit another late game shot um that was their 20th win of the season so a milestone win so that's 10 for me marley what do you got for 10 um i have kofi winning big 10 freshman of the year but more importantly i think it's just his presence that he was able to bring as a freshman I think he was a really big part in turning the program around you know he was uh, a really big recruit for the program so I think his freshman year in its entirety was something awesome for the fans to see and I think a lot of people were kind of anticipating his debut and it was just made it that much better to see him succeed on the level that he did and the level that everyone expected for the most part yeah I maybe expected I don't know 10 and 6 out of him this year foul trouble man did he blow everyone away yep. 12 double doubles is just incredible for what he was able to do his touch 
you know, and he struggled a little bit there mid Big Ten season, but for him to be able to break out of that, come back, I mean, he he matched Luca Garza in that last game, yeah. and that was that was Blocked pretty shot at the end. Yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, the player of the year and freshman of the year in the Big Ten. All right, number nine for me was that Indiana game. And for everything that was built up to be that Indiana rivalry, which back in the 80s and early 90s was so strong and so fierce, and really Illinois hasn't played Indiana that well. I remember your road trip to Bloomington maybe like four years ago, and they just got bum-rushed. They probably lost by 30 that game. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. It was one of those 30-point games. Gross was still there. Yeah, coming back from that, and then to contend and compete – you know, and, and the, just the significance of beating Indiana, which has long been one of Illinois' biggest rivals. That's number nine for me. Illinois got bum-rushed against Indiana last year here. Yeah. They, Indiana scored 95 points, shot like 60% in the first half. Uh, nine for me is another Indiana school, but it's when Illinois went to Purdue and beat Purdue and West Lafayette. First win there since 2008, which swept the season series. I think we'll both be talking about that home game here in a couple spots probably. All right, Marley, what do you got for nine? Uh, I got the upset against number five, Michigan, at home. Uh, I think that was their first, you know, statement win of the year uh, just because they hadn't beaten a ranked opponent in that in so long. I don't I don't remember exactly when it was. What, do you guys know yeah, the they number? They hadn't won against the top line of five opponents since 2013. Um, 2013. Yeah, I got yeah, this yeah. way higher on mine, so I don't know. That's maybe a little perspective of, just the history of the program. That's nothing against you, Marley. You just haven't been here as long to, you know, kind of, uh, I guess Craig and I have seen a lot of losses in that time. <laughs> I've worked here since 2013. I've covered a lot of bad basketball, but that, that's okay. It's, it's you, all good. You just missed the last instant winter. I, I did. did. Yeah. I do, like, just because it happened so early in the season, there were so many more moments that happened yeah. since. Yeah. You no, know, like, that was just the tip of the iceberg for them, which would soon become a great season. So mine is almost like in not like a chronological order, but kind of, you know, cause I sure. feel like that win against Michigan set them up for the rest of, of the season. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And it's your list and you can do whatever you want with that list. And I think that's, just, this is where we find the differences. And that's, <laughs> that's really interesting to me. All right. Number eight for me, as we continue here, holding Purdue to 37 points, I did not work this game. I was at this game with some friends in from Roatan, Honduras, and this first time I'd ever been to a basketball game, and they could not <laughs> believe how big Kofi Coburn was, and he had that follow-up slam in this game uh, that was just unbelievable, and their eyes were as big as can be. Uh, this is my number eight moment, uh, 1,800 all-time win in Illinois history, beating Purdue. Yeah, that's a huge accomplishment that, that kind of gets overlooked this season, I think. 1,800 wins for a program, only the 18th program to do that in the in college basketball. So that was a, a good milestone for Illinois this year. Number eight for me is Marley's number nine, the upset of Michigan at the State Farm Center. Um, for me, it was a bounce-back game. Um, against. They lost Maryland at, by one at Maryland. They come back against the top five team at the time, and everyone's kind of like, all right, great, here we go. And I think the reason it's for at, uh, eight for me, and Brett said his is a little bit higher, it's a little bit higher for him, is because Michigan wasn't a top five team. So the ranking at that time, I think, skews it a little bit because I think Illinois was clearly better than Michigan this season. Um, So that's why I have it at around the eight mark where Brett has a little bit higher. But uh, no doubt, a a huge win for the program. Marley, who you got for eight? Yeah, well, I have the Alan Griffin breakout. And my favorite thing about this game was um, just after in the the post-game, you know, media scrum, uh, someone asked him, they're like, what – 
what was different about this game? How were you able to get on this hot streak? His, you know, career high, 24 points. And he, you know, he kind of went into his, his routine and he's like, oh yeah. And then, you know, I had my, a good pregame meal. He was like, I had chicken fingers, mac and cheese and mashed potatoes. And everyone's like, oh, well you gotta like, you gotta stick with that from now on because (laughs) clearly that, that was, that was the key. So I don't know. That's like my favorite quote I think that I've also ever heard in in a post-game press conference for the record that is my order from KFC every time I go thank you Craig (laughs) clarify that for everyone here listening does that make you dunk Craig or (laughs) okay he scored at state one so that's (laughs) I say that in jest it's all great I did not score at state so I played at state in anything uh I, I told Marley, I remember that day you told me that. I was like, you got to run with that. I think that's fantastic. That's what people love to hear, something different. You know, how, many, how many times in your life have you heard someone say, yeah, I had chicken fingers, mac and cheese, and mashed potatoes, and that was the difference tonight. You know, that's, those are the sound bites that are just awesome. So I love that. All right, number seven for me, uh, sticking with Purdue. I got back-to-back Purdue's here, but winning in West Lafayette for the first time since 2008. I will cover this game, and that place is so loud. If you've never been to Mackey Arena, I would really encourage you to make the trip. It's a really, really fun environment. It's so small. It holds 14,000, 15,000 people, but it just doesn't feel like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to Cameron and Noor, I've been there once, and it was very, very uh, crazy that the crowd was just silenced when Illinois goes in there and wins, and they fought some adversity in that. Remember, that was the game that Alan Griffin, yep. speaking of Alan and those chicken fingers, this was pre-tender uh, games, <laughs> pre-mashed tater game. You know, he st- he stomps on, was it Stasha? Stasha Stefanovic. Stefanovic, you know, and they were able to overcome that. In that years early past, too. it was, it was like maybe five minutes into the game. In years past, this team would have just crumbled, you know, and they were able to stick with it and, and really sustain a big Purdue run and come out with a win. So that's, that's my number uh, seven. I watched that one from home, and it was close, and then I turned it off, or I streamed online, so maybe like the, the connection wasn't good. And it was a close game, and then it finally caught up, and like five minutes later, and it was a 12-point game. I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? So, um, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, seven for me is sticking with Purdue, but it's the home performance against Purdue when they held the Boilermakers to 37, worst shooting percentage in Purdue history according to their uh, record books. So uh, that one was kind of my point of like, all right, this, this is pretty good. This team could be pretty good, and their defense has really improved. Marley. Yeah, I have uh, the sold-out crowd at Maryland uh, that Friday night game. I remember, Craig, you and I, we got there, and the line to get in was like I have never seen it before. And the fans were rowdy, and they were having fun. It was like, it was so incredible. Even though they didn't win that game, I think it was just the best atmosphere, I think, that I've ever experienced at the State Farm Center. And then... We also got to talk to, to Scott Van Pelt, which was super cool. And I remember, too, when we were doing – I was, like, wrapping up my live hit. And then, Craig, you were like, oh, my God, Marley, it's Scott Van Pelt. And I turn around and I'm like, oh, it's him. <laughs> Craig, we should interview him. And Craig standing there, like, still so yeah. starstruck. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was so surprised that he was just – meandering in with the the crowd of Illinois people just walking in the main entrance and I was like he's my favorite sports center personality so I was just like 
whoa. And he's tall. He's so tall. He catches you guys. Like, yeah. Whoa, you're really that tall, yeah. Scott. He was great. Great dude. Talked to him for probably three or four minutes. Interviewed him for three or four minutes and then talked a couple more minutes after. And he was down to earth and there to see. He's a Maryland grad, so there to see his Terrapins. And, and that was definitely a career highlight for me and Marley Bill. That was cool. I'm glad he made that trip. And to sign that many autographs in the crush and all that, take that many pictures, yeah. goes to show how, how good of a dude he is. And, and uh, you know, to reply to all those people on Twitter, yep. you know, that's that's really cool. So, all right. Uh, Marley, that was your seven, right? Yeah, right. That's what number we were on. <laughs> that goes perfectly into my six, which was that environment. And these are what we're trying to do here with these moments. I mean, it's about those moments in time. Mm-hmm. And if anything we've learned from this coronavirus is that anything can be taken away that quickly. And so we've really got to hold on to these moments when we have them. And that Friday night was such a cool moment. That's old school Illinois basketball. That's what I remember it being. I was a senior in high school in 2004, 2005. That was Illinois basketball every game to me. I was in the crowd in the Wake Forest in 2004 when they took down number one Wake Forest and Chris Paul. And I, I remember that. I'm never going to forget that. Those are moments in time that are really, really special. And for one night there, when number nine Maryland was in town, that was a moment that was really, really cool. And I'm happy for those players because they didn't get the chance to play in the NCAA tournament. I'm happy for the, the fans. I mean, think if you're a senior here and you were in the crush even if you weren't, you're just a senior at Illinois that has seen so many losses yeah. to have that moment. It's pretty cool. Craig, what you got for six? Six, I'm going to senior night. That win against Iowa, Kipper Nichols put up ten points. Um, you beat Iowa to clinch the double bye in the Big Ten tournament for the first time in, I don't even know. Ever, they, they didn't used to have the double bye. So oh, yeah, first so yeah, time first double bye ever. Double so, bye. yeah, um, of course, for the Big Ten tournament, it didn't happen. But uh, that, that's a huge stepping stone for the program to be in the top four of the conference. So that senior night was a special one. And the last time we're going to see probably I.O. and all of those seniors. So that was a big night for me. You guys ready for me? What do you got at six, Marley? <laughs> um, so I'm going just to kind of like piggyback off the Maryland crowd. I think the second best one was probably the sold-out crowd against Indiana. And then just because – they got that win. It kind of. I was kind of at a toss up for those two at six and seven, but I think because they got the win against Indiana and they were like such a big rival, that kind of puts it puts it over the edge for me. But those two, just for the sole reason of of the environment that was there, uh, are kind of you know neck and neck. All right, we're ready for our top five of the season, and for me, this is another game I covered at number five, so I think that holds a little bit more weight for me. And covering this guy's whole career made it extra special. But Kipper Nichols putting up a season-high 10 points on senior night as Illinois beats number 18 Iowa, giving them that double bye, as Craig just said, for his number six. Kipper's such a good dude. And he had – I mean, the dude lost his shot. Mm -hmm. He couldn't shoot last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, his form was atrocious. And I know he spent a lot of time trying to get it back. But for him to contribute and to go out in what proved to be his last game ever as an Illini – that is really, really special. I'm happy for him. He's a really, really nice kid. I'm happy that he was able to go out and have a moment like that and to end it on such a positive note. Yeah, for sure. The whole senior senior class, uh, I think, now that the tournaments have been canceled, can look back on that game and, and be proud of what they accomplished there. Um, five for me is Kofi winning freshman of the year. Brett, I know you said – I don't think he, you have this on your list. Marley had it at 10. But for me, it's kind of what Marley said is that 
He's just he made such an impact, and he's a player that Illinois has never seen before. Just a massive body inside that can bang in the post. That's what they've been needing the past decade to do. And for him to come in and average 13-8, and eight, I think, and, and stay out of foul trouble. You mentioned the foul trouble from him earlier. To stay out of foul trouble and be able, be able to compete against the best conference for big men in the country was huge for me. So that's more of a bigger picture thing for me, number five, but uh, that's five for me. Marley, top five, top five, top five. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I have the win against Purdue uh, on the road, and I think that game was such an important piece of that, you know, set, like that stretch that they were able to put together. Uh, I think if they, they didn't get that win, maybe things would have would have turned out differently for them this season. So I think, you know, that was a really big confidence booster in the sense of, you know, that this is a team that can win on the road. You know, they get one or two big road wins. A lot of people might be like, okay, it's it's a fluke, you know, but I think this game in that sense really solidified the fact that they were able to be so successful on the road. Crazy, 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 crazy. Two and 19 in road games coming into this year, and they played so well on the road this year. All right, number four for me is that upset win over number five, Michigan. You guys had this a lot higher. This is where I find this very, very fascinating about different lists, and it's your list. You can do whatever you want with it. That's what makes this discussion fun. But for me, this really set the tone coming off of that Maryland loss, like you said, coming off of that Miami loss that was still pretty fresh at this point because you had lost to Miami, mm-hmm. getting down 27, just absolutely getting blitzed on your home court against what proved to be a bad Miami team. They were mediocre at best. And then you go on the road and compete at Maryland, almost have that game, one that I covered, and the feeling after that from the players was devastation. Underwood said after that he was encouraged, he was excited about where his team was at and competing and being able to do that on the road. And looking back, I get that a little bit. But at the same time, you had a chance to win the game and you don't even get a pass off with Feliz, mm-hmm. you know, taking the last shot or trying to, which is funny now looking back on it, you know, three months later. Io should have had the ball, obviously. We were asking leadership questions. And isn't that crazy now when we reflect back on that? I mean, I think that was December 6th or something like that, the first weekend in December. December 7th. December yeah. 7th. We were asking leadership questions. And now, two and a half, three months later, we all know Io is the clear-cut leader. But I digress here. For me, the Michigan win really set the tone for the rest of the season, saying, hey, we can go out, we can beat a top-five team. Was Michigan a top-five team? Absolutely not. That proved out the rest of the season. But at the time, that's what the ranking said. And it will go down so far in Brad Underwood's three years here as the biggest win, ranking-wise, that Underwood has is beating yeah. number five Michigan. Yeah. Craig, what you got for four? That's a good point. Um, four for me is another All-Big Ten award. It's Io on the first team All-Big Ten. The first Illini to do that since 2010, which is crazy to me because there was that stretch, obviously, from like 04 to 2010 where it seems like they were a mainstay on the All-Big Ten. So for Iowa to come in and be on that first-team All-Big Ten, now that was media. Coaches did not put him on the first-team All-Big Ten. So All-Big all Ten first-team media for Iowa, which cements now, now that he's not going to the NCAA tournament unless he comes back and they get there next year, um, that cements that he came here and he did all that he could to get Illinois back to national prominence. So kind of his last big thing for him was this all Big Ten. Marla, who you got for four? Uh, so did you guys have the win against Wisconsin? Did anyone 
anyone mention that one yet? Not I don't yet. Know. It's coming up. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. All right. So it's it's my it's my number four. So um, that they were the only team to win at the Kohl Center this season. And I think that says so much. Obviously, we didn't know that at the time. And that was obviously a very big win for them. The first time, you know, they had won there since since 2010. It was a 15 game winning streak held by Wisconsin that Illinois was able to snap but I think it just goes so much higher on the list now that we can look back at it at the end of the season and say wow Illinois was the only team to beat Wisconsin on their home court and that is so incredibly significant and who would have thought that it would be Illinois to do that crazy I mean Wisconsin finishing in First place in the Big Ten is just crazy to me. I mean, how do they do that, you know? And they lose their best player. Yeah. Insane. That's just so Wisconsin. There's so many things we say that are just so <laughs> Illinois, right? Like, Illinois... Negative things are so Illinois. Exactly. Positive are so Wisconsin. We say that's so Illinois that Illinois made the NCAA tournament this year, quote. And then it gets to go. And then doesn't get to go because of a freak pandemic. That's so Illinois. Wisconsin losing its best player... And then winning the, winning the B- Big Ten still, that's so Wisconsin. So Wisconsin. Oh, man. Must be nice to be a Badger fan, I guess, out there. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of people are saying for football and basketball. Number three for me was that one at Wisconsin-Marley, snapping that 15-game losing streak to the Badgers, who had absolutely owned the Illini the last decade. And Wisconsin had a heck of a run, a heck of a decade. When you look back, a couple Final Fours in there and what they were able to do. A lot of big-time players had come through there. But to win at the Kohl Center, Craig and I had both covered several games at the Kohl Center where it was just absolute drubbings. For them to go in there and do that, for Iowa to get that shot, that's a yeah. huge, huge win for this program. And to continue to propel them because that was pretty close after the Michigan State game, yep. if I remember right. Two games yeah. after. So just two games after that, uh, that Michigan State 20-point loss, they were able to, to come out and really solidify themselves as a – as a player here in the Big Ten. Yeah, three for me is the win at Michigan. Um, Marley was at that game. Brett was at the studio. I was in Las Vegas at Must the Sportsbook. I was in Vegas, and I went to the Sportsbook. So it was 11 o'clock Central tip here, so 9 a.m. in Vegas. So I'm in the Sportsbook at like 8.30. We're the only one there. <laughs> one of like... Four or five. <laughs> Degenerates. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was one of the best college basketball games of the year, I think. And then cemented with Io's dagger there in the lane that I still don't know how he got off, let alone to go in over Xavier Simpson. Um, I'll, remember, I'll remember all these top three shots for a long time, but that one specifically is, is huge. Did you make some money on that game? No comment can't confirm or deny <laughs> all right marley who you got yeah i got the senior night win against oh, iowa okay. i think that one was important just because it was it was a good send-off into the big 10 tournament that would later not really end up happening but i think you know if they they had lost that game it just i don't know it wouldn't it wouldn't be a great send-off it wouldn't be you know a, a last final debut for for io Desumu likely um and I think, too, losing to Iowa earlier in the year, the way that they did, and then to come back and beat them at home, uh, it was awesome. I honestly wish I, I went to that game, but I decided to play on my rec volleyball game instead, <laughs> and then I watched it on TV, and I was like, oh, 
I should have been there because that would have been the last time I got to see Illinois play this season. So It was a pretty crazy environment. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was there shooting the game. Craig was there as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that was a juiced-up State Farm Center. And with all the history, like you mentioned, with them playing earlier this year, I was at that game in Iowa City, and it was heated at the end with Chin and <laughs> Fran. Just... The signs at the home game oh, great. of Fran. How did we not mention those? Yeah. I, right behind the bench, too. Like, this, the crush students that made those had the plan in place. So oh, like, we got to go here. And it was awesome. And Underwood signed it afterwards, the big Fran head. That's great stuff. Yeah, good stuff. All right, number two for me, I was that game winner, last second shot at Michigan mm-hmm. to beat the Wolverines in Ann Arbor. Um, I know, Marley, you were at this game, but that was just one of those moments, I think. And this was still in January. Craig had the schedule up. Yeah, January 25th. Okay. So, so I Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah at Michigan. Iowa's submitted as the team leader at this point, but I feel like he was just emerging as this star in the making. We all know that Iowa was the best player for Illinois, one of the best players in the Big Ten, but he hadn't really ha- had this label of true closer yet. He was still building that identity, and for me, this game was, this is Iowa's team. This is Iowa's show. Yeah. There's no doubt who's going to get the ball at the end. And like Craig had mentioned, I, I, I go back and look at that shot. I thought Xavier Simpson had great defense All on it. And Io still was able to rise up and, and yeah. knock it down. And for me, that'll be one of the shots I remember most about this season. In yeah. the moments. That's a good point. I mean, uh, Miami game, he had the ball right and he turned it over. Michigan State game, he had the ball, clock winding down, and he injured himself. And those were a couple missed opportunities. So, so yeah, that's a good point. Number two for me was the win at Wisconsin. Um, like Marley, and um, I think you already had that on there, right? Yeah, you guys already three. had that on there. Um, it had just been so long, and Illinois had taken so many beatings at Wisconsin. <laughs> I remember the one game that I covered was 2018 season, I think. It was Mark Smith, LaRon Black Brad's was first here. year, I think. Brad's was first it a year. Friday night? I think it was a Friday night because yeah. it was on um, Full Court Friday. Um, I remember specifically in my pregame live shots – saying that this Wisconsin team isn't the Wisconsin teams from the past and it's probably going to be a close game even though Illinois is not very good and they lost by 25. <laughs> so that's the kind of things that happened to Illinois at the Kohl Center. So to go in there and win, and like Marley and you said, the only team to win in Madison this season against the Big Ten champs. They were the one seed in the Big Ten tournament. The only team to do it. I think that was a huge step for this program. It had been the cold center for a long, for a long time. And that place is cold, by the way. All I right, do well. not like the cold center, for the record. All right, thank you. That's on the record. Uh, whether Craig won money off the Michigan game, that's still not on the record. All right, Marley, what do you got? Uh, I have the same number two as you, Brett. Um, the buzzer beater against Michigan. I was there, and I tell people this story. I kind of went from, like, you know, like, okay, Illinois is all right. They're pretty good. To this game, like, oh my goodness, like, this is the best team in the country. Obviously, that's an exaggeration, and I'm just doing this for the sake of the story, but I think that was, like, almost just, like, a personal moment for me where I was like, wow, this team is something special. Iowa is something special. And for them to get that win, that buzzer beater, ugh, just everything about it was incredible. Also, my dad was at that game. He is a diehard Michigan fan. And he even said after the game, he was like, oh, I was kind of, I kind of wanted Illinois to win. And I was like, hmm, see? So I think that was just a big 
point in the program and for them this season. It's going to be remembered, I think, for for seasons and years to come. Maybe not the best team in the country, Molly, but they submitted themselves as... I I was exaggerating. I know, but... Honestly, they submitted themselves as Big Ten title contenders, and that's so foreign for Illinois fans in the last decade. I mean, even in 2013 when they made the tournament, made the second round, they beat number one Indiana. When they beat number one Indiana, they were not playing well, mm-hmm. you know, and they didn't even finish above 500 that year in the Big Ten. They weren't really Big Ten title contenders. It has been more than a decade since Illinois has been legitimately a Big Ten title contender. I feel like Alana Nation almost was scared in a sense to be playing for a Big Ten title that they were like, wait, is this us? It was was almost a reality check of like, yeah, Illinois is a month into the season, in the Big Ten season, and they're on top of the Big Ten. And it was a foreign place to be for Illini Nation, but I thought that was a huge, huge moment for not only this team, but the program and Broad Underwood's rebuild. All right, number one, we all got the same one. I think it's pretty easy consensus. Io comes back from Penn State, shocks everybody. Maybe the thing I'm going to remember most is we were on the pregame show, (laughs) and Craig and Derek Piper from Illini Inquirer, we've had a great relationship with them this year. We're going to continue doing that in the future for our pregame shows. But... Derek was going back and forth from the lobby where they were taping the show when we were live to the inside of the arena. I think that's what I'm going to take away from just the anticipation because it was like, wait, Io's not in pregame sweats. Like, he he may be dressing. And then he went ghost there for a while and didn't come out, right? The whole team wasn't coming out for a while. They were trying to hide it. And then then we kind of – we were live here, right? We're on live TV at this point, and we're going – Okay, well, Io's going to play. We figured that much out. What's realistic? Is he going to start? Okay, well, yeah, it makes a lot of sense for him to start. What's he going to do? Can, yeah. can he play 12 minutes? And then he goes out and drops a game-high 24, career-high 24. No, nope, 27's career-high. Oh, it's 27. Yeah, sorry. But at, that, but at that point, he scores 24, and you went, Okay. Am I believing what I'm watching here? Yeah. Io Sumo is playing at Penn State and is the best player on the floor. Yeah. Only misses one game after his injury. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, nothing tops that for me this season. Yeah, almost speechless feeling. Um, yeah, th- that pregame show, it was so hard to find a spot because Penn State does not let any television outlets go live in the building when there's a Penn State employee in the building. So they begrudgingly let us stay in the building because it was raining outside so we were in the the concourse and so i'm like all right i guess derek run back and forth it was it was unique for sure and completely out of nowhere in my book because he hadn't he didn't warm up against rutgers he didn't he he never took his sweats off against rutgers to even get in pregame work so completely shocked that io played and then he went out and did what he did, 16 points in the second half, 16 of his 24 in the second half, and the dagger, the floater in the lane with 18 seconds left. He was fun to talk to after the game. He said, the fans were talking to me. He's like, Oh, if, he loved it. Yeah, he loves when fans talk to you, and I got shots of the Penn State students talking to him, and I've been trying for two months to read their lips, and I can't tell what they're saying, but he loved it, and that that game is going to be what I remember Io Sumu at Illinois. After the game, my favorite shot maybe I've ever got is him walking across the court, right down the middle court. He's got both of his hands up like, all right, let me hear it. 
that's how I'm going to remember Aldasuna. And he had that right, like the I I felt that confidence through the you know the more he took these shots, the more he owned this team, and like this is my program. I'm the game changer. I am the guy, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a borderline cockiness there that you could say, oh, he's just being cocky. But at the same time, he had the game to prove it. And if you got the game to prove it, go out there and and do it, you know, and own it. And he just owned the moment, and I love that. I think. Updated stat here. Six field goals in the final minute for Illinois that led to a win. Six field goals in, in a one-possession game in the final minute of a game that led to a win. Crazy. Yeah. He's, Marley. Who you got? What, what, what will you remember most about that Penn State game? Other than I think you were covering like a girls' basketball game that night. <laughs> But as somebody in the business who we can hear a lot of that stuff anyway, I loved it. And the coaches were way toned down from what they usually I are. Know. Oh, yeah. yeah. From being, like, close to, to Brad Underwood, like, sitting by the bench in, in some games. I know where we sit for the home games. It's kind of we're, you know, on the opposite side of the basket from him. But, you know, for some of the away games, I would be sitting and filming right next to the bench. And I would hear some of the stuff that he was saying. And I was like, oh. I don't know how he's going to do on this this all-access thing. Like, good thing for that, you know, five-second delay. But, yeah, you could definitely tell they were, you know, holding holding back. I wish we got, you know, some of the real Brad Underwood, some of the real Pat Chambers, but, you know, it is it is what it is. And I, I hate that some people were ragging on Pat Chambers because they heard that in the huddle, right? He was telling, hey, Io's going right, Io's going right. Yeah. yeah, because that's all Io did is go right. Yeah. I, I don't know another time in that moment that he had gone left. Credit to yeah. Io for going left, no right. doubt. But I thought Pat gave his team the best piece yeah. of advice there in that moment that they could. Because all of the scouting reports said Io is going right. He cannot go left. And then he moved left back to the middle. And that's and he did go right. He just went right Penn State first. Took it away. And then, yeah, Penn State took it away. Spot on with that, and then he goes back to the middle, crosses yeah. over left, and hits the shot. You know, crazy. That is a sure sign of an elite basketball player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think, he had a second move. I think when he came back from injury, 
that game and on. Let's see, he went 24-18. Don't know what he had against Northwestern, but it was a good game at Northwestern. So he, yeah, he had like 21, I think. I Io ended his season 24-18, 20-something at Northwestern, 17-21-17. Led the team every game. I think that helped his NBA stock. Yeah. If it was in, in question. But it proved that he can take over games, in my eyes. That last six-game stretch of the season proved that Io was NBA ready. Yeah, I think he is. And he's he's going to go, and he should go at this point, yeah. in my eyes. Now, how will the coronavirus and everything else leading up to it, the delayed combine, the delayed draft, all of that, will it be delayed? At some point, it's going to have to be, is, is my guess. Could that change his mind? Possibly. Yeah. But... I think it helps he, Illinois more than it hurts. Oh, I think it absolutely helps Illinois. But his main goal coming to Illinois was to get the Illini back to the NCAA tournament 1B, 1A, was to prepare himself for the NBA. Yeah. He had said he wanted to be a one-and-done player all along. It's the same thing Kofi told me when I went to go visit him in Virginia. Everybody wants to be a one-and-done player. The realistic part of that is it really doesn't happen that often. Yeah. And so he thought he could use another year. It proved he was right. Yeah. He improved, got a lot better, and now I think he's ready to excuse me, he's ready to move on and, and he should at this point if he can get yeah. some money. So some fun moments. Marley, thanks for Coming in on our social distancing first podcast. Maybe not how we had planned the first one to go yeah. here with you yeah. at your house, but it's been fun. And I don't think we plan to to be talking about sports in a time that there's really no sports going on. You know, like I think we were hoping Brett to start be- our podcast now and be talking about Illinois Going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we should be doing a pregame show right now, getting ready for Illinois' first round matchup tonight, or just being live here. It's five uh, thirty on a Friday, or being live. You know, Brett should be in St. Louis right now. St. Louis, Sacramento. You know, Albany. Albany was not high on my list. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I would have gone there. I yeah, New Yorker would have loved that, right? Uh, Tampa was on there. That was that was pretty high on my list. I think you meet Tom Brady. TB12, going to TB. Love that. Yeah, I think Sacramento or Tampa. I've been to Tampa. Spokane, I would have loved to have gone there. I think just see a new place in the country. Not right now. Isn't it close to Seattle? Yeah, but this was before coronavirus. Like, you know. Okay. I'm looking at this stuff a while ago. (laughs) All right, we digress. It's not about us anyway. It's about the athletes. But it would have been fun to cover. So, Marley, thanks. Enjoy your quarantine. Uh, I'll try. All right. (laughs) Make sure you got plenty of toilet paper. If there's anything we take away from this, you only grab the one pack of T- TP. Rolls. I'm good. All right. Till next time. We'll do it again next week. See you.